listening to 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to the 9to5 Entertainment System. We are back on our regular scheduled podcast release uh, timeline. Not that we ever were off of it. Um, if you're enjoying 9ES, you might enjoy the new uh, mini-show that we cooked up called 9ES Garbage Time, which is available on our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe at the $3 or above level, you will get access to a Garbage Time episode each and every episode, which is an extra uh, 20 to 30 minutes of uh, content uh, of just, you know, John, Scott, and I, um, you know, talking more 90s stuff just stuff that kind of doesn't quite fit uh into the normal 90s format it's a little little looser a little more cash uh it's there for you um right now it's not on the page this is a secret for our listeners uh but yeah if you subscribe at three dollars or more you will get access to at this point now three episodes of garbage time uh what do we talk about this week we talk about covid19 updates from around the world uh, we talk a lot about Dragonlance, dragons of autumn twilight uh, we talk a little bit about supernatural we talk about star trek uh, specifically the next generation which then obviously leads us to talking about star wars because of course it does and then uh, we close it off with just a glowing recommendation of my show of the summer betty all this and more on 90s thank you and enjoy the show country yeah that's it Uh, i was like all of my podcast scheduling is getting uh tricky because i'm trying to spend as much time at the wee heister shack as possible because there's literally nothing else to do yeah i can imagine this like you guys being locked in that one giant condo room for four or five months being pretty shitty well yes and no because we have the um the we roof. have the rooftop terrace, which I like, which immediately I kind of think puts us into a, a fun zone that a lot of other kind of small condos don't sure, sure. don't have. Like as soon as the weather got nice, we were like, well, every dinner goes up there, and we would like or bring the laptop up and set the fire pit on and and watch fire. And I was like, imagine imagine living in one of those like high rise condo places where there isn't even a balcony, and you're just like mm-hmm. in this time. Like I remember Andrew Andrew used to have a place that was like maybe 600 square feet and was like a one bedroom kind of open concept loft, like kind of a little, maybe a little bigger than Danny's old place. Like, can you imagine like several months in that kind of place? Like, yeah, would not be fun, but whatever we beat it. (laughs) I mean, so says the premier. Scott, say something, say something about the, about how it is in the trenches. Uh, it's, weird a lot of doctors have pretty much just given up on being careful so i don't even know what to think anymore well i heard i read it we had 90 patients today in clinic and all the pediatricians are just sending people in like oh this kid's iron level is low better send him into the hospital for blood test tell me to eat a steak like i don't know yeah i heard there was a weird influx at the the montreal and laval hospitals of like Things that are like, we're not like typical, like the ERs were kind of getting overrun because it was like not necessarily ER stuff, but because people have been putting various symptoms off for months, like they're coming in and you're like, oh no, this is real bad. Like real, like gnarly infections and like, and and all this and that, like just people who are like, I'm not going to go and catch COVID. And you're like, you have 
a very bad infection of some kind or whatever that you've just not been coming to the uh, doctor for. I, I had to turn away two people today because their kids had fevers and didn't have COVID tests. Yeah. Oh, but the doctor thinks it might be another kind of infection. I'm like, until you rule out the disease. The incredibly that is infectious people. pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You cannot come here. Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, what? <laughs> Tell your doctor your kid has a fever. And if the doctor says, you know, you have to go get tested, start with the COVID test. Yeah, We're really. Home. Yeah. Like, get COVID test and then maybe you can come back. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. Yep, it's fun. But I mean, yeah. I don't know. I like, and like we, were, we were talking about that this weekend. We're like, there's that weird like, oh. I feel like I personally feel that like the second wave is inevitable <laughs> kind of thing. But then I'm like, Oh, but they've like relaxed like certain social things. So I'm like, okay. So maybe I'll go see someone stay six feet apart from them and be like, hello friend. See you again in 2021. Like knowing that there'll be like another, like another swing in like a month or two. I mean, we're, I feel like we're kind of, that wouldn't be the worst. We could go hang out in a park somewhere and, uh, and that's not, yeah, I mean, like we like we've we've had uh, we've had like like one couple at a time over on the roof, yeah. Kind of thing like we had Andrew and Alex up, and it's like, and you can come in from the back way. Like you don't even have to walk in through the building because I think that's like something shitty to put my neighbors through to just be like, here's my friends coming through the hall. But I'm like, totally. like you can exactly you can go in through the alley, take the stairs up on the backside, and like there's plenty. Like it's like a 200 foot square foot patio. Everybody can sit safe distance apart and you can do the thing without being super stupid about it. Yeah. And uh, and then, yeah, and then eventually we'll go under lockdown again when the fall comes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much how I'm feeling. <laughs> you just, just infection, enjoy. The infection rates is, are way down. The, the, the death rate is way down. And kind I mean, of do what you can while... You know, I wonder, though. I really... So, Safe. do you do, do you guys have the latest numbers? Right, it's the states are still completely out of control. Oh yeah, the states, states are completely bonkers. India. Yeah, yeah, well, the big two I know are Brazil and uh, the U.S. Like they're they're rolling at like forty thousand new cases a day, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun, and that's what I'm saying. So it's like there's a weird like Mad Max version of all of this. I think where. Canada can like potentially get safer. Like, I mean, like if you look at places like BC and stuff, like BC shared a uh, shares a border with um, uh, with Washington State, right? Mm-hmm. And like Washington State was one of the like epicenters, but because they shut the border down, like BC has something like two deaths total and had like a hundred something cases completely. I, I, I was just talking to people at the office today that they BC is is down to almost zero cases. Like they're, yeah. they're almost completely under control. And But you're adjacent. Yeah, like you're like you're adjacent, adjacent to a state where it's like a nightmare. You know, yeah. like and I it was like I was like if Canada whole on the whole gets its numbers down and America's just spiraling out of control, I was like it'd be so weird. It makes you feel good. Like you can you can like or hate Trudeau, but this whole thing has been handled pretty well in Canada. I think yeah, I mean, could, the numbers this could have been better, Quebec, but <laughs> the numbers this week in Quebec have been 77, 85, 77, 72. So like 70 or 80 people a day infection. Yeah, that's and appa- way yeah, and apparently, yeah, and apparently like one of the one of the things when they were taking a lot of flack uh, for opening stuff up is that so I mean, again, 
who knows, we're not all epidemiologists and all that stuff, is that a lot of those new cases are like firmly contact traces and a lot of people are already like either in homes or isolation or whatever. So it's like, it's not like, oh, there's a new case and it's a person who, you know, took the Metro every day and all that stuff. Like, it's like they're, they're already like close knit areas. Not to say that makes their case like less bad, but it's less of those. Like, if you remember like those first couple of cases where they're like, oh, someone had COVID and they were riding the Metro all week. Yeah. And stuff. So I think, I think a lot of people are just, um, I think a people are being a little bit safe. And I think a lot of people are proactively And I know that obviously you can transmit when you're not symptomatic, but I think a lot of people, as soon as they start showing any kind of symptoms, self isolate real quick, you know, like, and they don't just be like, assume it, assume it's the flu or whatever, and just keep going about their day, you know, like, so hopefully that's helping. Montreal's Um, about Montreal's about to announce that uh, masks will be mandatory on public transit. I am, this pleases me, but you literally cannot tell me to wear a mask. You will literally be arrested by God and go to God jail because you're messing with God's beautiful breathing system. And I will die for this country. <laughs> have you seen those clips, John? You're, you're the look no, on your face. I, I, oh, you have, you have not. What oh, you like a, there's like a series of crazy people in Florida town halls. Yelling yeah, at West, West, yeah, West Palm Beach, uh, because of like their huge at risk population, and there's a huge yeah, yeah. like West Palm Beach, uh, like city officials made masks mandatory, like everywhere, and then yeah. uh, had just at the like city hall or whatever, just had like a parade of insane people just screaming at them about how they would not wear masks, and they were like, You will literally go to jail, and God will be the arrest you and you're like what is happening like i don't wear masks for the same reason i don't wear underwear she's got to breathe thank you (laughs) what what it's so crazy there's one part one part that had me cracking up is like she's like she's like i bet you you're all up there in those masks just laughing under those masks and i was like that is the one thing you said that is probably correct like the city Yeah, like, I we are, madam. <laughs> exactly. If I'm up there on city council, I'm just like keep my eyes open and look like I'm paying attention. But like, I would have be mask comes off, I'd be grinning ear to ear. Like, what an insane person! Just <laughs> screaming. And obviously, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's Florida. <laughs> I was like, but I hope they're just like a vocal minority. Like, I feel the people that go and yell about stuff at city hall are crazy people, kind of anyway. You know. So I'm like, I like to imagine that this is just the very small most terrible people in west palm but you know it's also america i have been meaning to watch more municipal politics or participate more in municipal politics Mm -hmm. and one of the things is most of your municipal people allow you to watch council meetings online and particularly now under covid you can attend them all right Mm -hmm. and um Oh man, there's a lot of people who go to those things to just hear themselves talk and you can see it like the cameras going on all the counselors and they're like yeah Here's Mrs. So and so again, and like it's in their eyes. They know all of these people coming <laughs> yeah, exactly. out one after the other. I <laughs> want to talk about that tree that's still in my front yard. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. You'll, you'll recall, you know, going through the notes from I, I reported to you six months ago at this very whatever. Shows up with the like the giant three ring binder that has like a million tabs and like of each and every one of her transactions with the yeah, city. Yeah. Oh man. I th- I thoroughly enjoy people saying that masks are detrimental to their health, that it, it negatively affects their 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 breathing. Yeah, that was one of the sticking points health. on that. And I'm like yeah. every doctor and surgeon and, and nurse <laughs> I've ever known who's worked sixteen hour shifts standing over an 
open chest was they're doing heart surgery. It's just like, yeah, they're they're ruining their lives by doing yeah. that. Oh. And, and let's These not ma- forget, they're managing to do that without touching it and adjusting it while they talk, right? Yeah. Like they're actually managing to maintain security, which virtually nobody, myself included, is capable of doing. Yeah. I will say that I think that's one, like, uh, just like a pro-life skill that I, I'm not, obviously not mastered. But, like, I've become so conscious of touching my face, I touch my face a lot less, which I feel that if I can just, like, will probably help me get less sick in life. I bet you anything, it would help acne. Like, if people had acne a lot, you just don't put your yeah, hands. Just touch your face, Kate. You just touch your face. Yeah, now, I'm not in public. I just washed my hands. I washed my hands before sitting down to do this recording. But I'm saying that, like, I get very, when if I'm, like, uh, out in public or whatever, I'm like, oh, I'm touching things. I will not touch my face yeah, for sure, after for this. Sure, for sure. Like, yes, when I'm in the comfort of my own home, like, mmm, mmm, face all God, over. I, when, <laughs> when I'm at work and I get a minute to, like, really hospital wash my hands. No, like, really hospital wash my hands. Like, all the yeah, way yeah. up to the elbow and, like, the good disinfectant soap. I do take a minute and just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> ah, it's my face and it feels good. <laughs> You're just like, like a, like a blind person touching your own face. You're like, is, <laughs> is this still, is this still me? Yeah, it's great. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very beautiful. It's great. <laughs> Speaking of very beautiful things, I want to jump right into this movie while it's fresh in your mind, Keith. Oh, okay. I mean, how fresh could it be? I almost, it took me like, eight hours to watch and i remember no characters names that's okay I'm... that's okay i read all the books like multiple times so i got all the characters names oh god that was oh, such man. a bad movie Keith, so after we signed off what happened we should say what happened we all watched it did everybody i don't think did you actually get through it john i did i did i forced myself in that two hours leading up to this oh john i'm so impressed because I, I managed to convince Marissa to sit down and try, mm-hmm. and both of us tapped out right after they left the inn. Like a good twenty <laughs> minutes in, we we're just like, "Yeah, I can't, I can't do this." She's like, "I have no idea what's going on." I'm like, "I have no idea who these people are." This really? movie, no, this like movie they, is so forgettable that repeatedly in the last two weeks, when I would like stop and start and really like try to give it a go, I literally could not remember the name of it. And I just was like Googling like Dragon Autumn movie or whatever. Like I like was so completely and utterly not making an impact. And every time I tried to watch it that I could not remember the title. Literally in my search bar, having just finished watching it today, I wrote Dragon Autumn Twilight movie, which is okay. close. Well, this is – you're not being totally fair to this this stuff. And it's because that this is your only exposure to it. This is a right. blind I franchise. I know. That, and I, I, I did my reading on it a little bit afterwards. And, and yeah. I know that this is the like – this was like the tentpole of like the Dragonlance, not only like game setting, but also like a super successful series of books that had like yeah. multiple spinoffs and, and, and all this. Like I – I get that it's important, but I didn't have that exposure yeah. to me. Yeah. So I only knew this as a really dull film. <laughs> like, yes. That so is. the film title is Dragonlance, Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Yes. Starring Kiefer Sutherland, Lucy Lawless, Michael Rosenbaum, Michelle Trachtenberg, Phil Lamar. Look at that cast. I mean, we're not saying A-list, people. but we're not saying Z-list either. I mean, Xenolist. Xenolist, hey. yes. Right, yes. 24 was a big hit. 
<laughs> yeah, Kiefer Sutherland's a like. Kiefer's Kiefer's a pretty yeah exactly. I think some, these are all like they're all, they're all TV famous. So of everything that's bizarre and wrong with this production, and like we're gonna get into a lot of that, the thing that I am the most in like in awe of is the timing of it. Like 2008 was good for Kiefer Sutherland, and who the hell was paying attention to Dragonlance in 2008? Like, what it had been dead as a series for for 15 years at least. Okay, maybe maybe ten, but like, it's just it's just so out of nowhere. I'm wondering what was the state of Dungeons and Dragons in two thousand and eight? Uh, it was fourth ed. It was the end of fourth ed. End of third ed. No, the Monster Manual five on three three point five came out two thousand seven. Huh. Okay. Well, maybe okay. I'm... So Whatever. third ed was still uh, yeah. So like yeah, the revolution of of D and D, right? Like. That yeah, fourth edition. So fourth edition had just just launched. Okay, so it was like, like October two thousand eight is where the starter set came out. Right. Uh, the player player's handbook was June two thousand eight. Uh, yeah, like the DM. Yeah, June two thousand eight. So when did this movie come out? Was this like was this two thousand and eight? Yeah, I know, it but I'm thinking about, like, specifically. Was it oh, like co- was it like was it simultaneously? I mean, I, I like. It, it was either a send been, off or a yeah. send up, right? Like either they're like putting away three with it, or they're s- building hype for four. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it was really associated with wizards at all. I think. Well, I mean, were, it had to be. Like, mm, I mean, they I mean, they were. They, they had to sign off. Yeah. And it was a like, and it was produced by like Paramount Pictures. Like, it was direct video, but it was like, yeah. So January two thousand eight. So it was kind of the like a wrap up of. I feel there's a bunch of things probably going on with this. It was probably like wrapping up kind of like three three point five, maybe even like it's definitely definitely testing the waters for a TV series. Like there's so many moments in this film where the fade to blacks are straight up commercial cuts. Mm-hmm. Like like they're like the the beats and the way that they're going and they're just sort of like they're like well I guess we'll have to go to the inn. They like stare at each other for like a second and then it like fades to black <laughs> and then they're at the inn. Like there's no reason for the cut to have been like that way. It's just like. To me, to me, very clearly, this was a half. I don't think it was ever. People are like, "Oh, it could have been theatrical," and then it was direct to video. I think it was probably developed as a TV show uh, pilot, and then was like, "Well, we have this thing. We're just gonna maybe this is meant to be the first four episodes of a show, and we'll just mash it into a thing because we made it, <laughs> and here it goes." Okay. But uh, and was probably also maybe even especially leading into uh, fourth ed might have been a like at least intended obviously grossly mishandled but at least like attended like to test the waters of dragonlands right i think you're so off base i can't even begin to explain but i will the i think <laughs> what what this was and that's why we have a podcast so Drag- <laughs> dragonlance was one of the three main settings for dungeons and dragons in the era of second edition like yeah. it was enormous but it was never reprinted for third edition. So it had been completely off of the radar, was never associated with any third edition product or any fourth edition product or yeah. any fifth edition product. Now that we're there. If, this, if this thing had taken I off, think, you think saying there wouldn't be a fourth ed Dragonlance campaign? I, mean, I feel that yeah, if... There might yeah. have been. But what happened with this movie is that somebody back in 98 was talking about making a Dragonlance movie back when it was relevant and would have been big. 
<clears throat> and it was like their pet project and they pushed and they pushed and they pushed. And then it was like 2004 and they were every meeting they'd come, they'd bring it up. They'd say, I got it going. And finally all the pieces were in the right place around 2007 or something. And at mm. that point the budget was just slashed to shit because nobody at wizards cared about it. And yeah. they had already signed a contract that said, we have to pay Kiefer Sutherland and Lucy Lawless. And the guy had been working all this time on this project. And they're like, okay, we're going to cut everything in the budget that doesn't have anything to do with the people we signed contracts with. And so they went to the, the cheapest animation studio they could possibly fucking find. And a studio out of India. That's right. And that's, that's how we got yeah. for $10,000 of animation and whatever, like $500,000 worth of actors yeah. in the studio. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They said it was... I don't know, man. Like I said, I just I think the timing they they cut together a rough trailer that was like half the pitch in October two thousand seven, and then and then and that's also shocking because it came out January two thousand eight. So they like they they cut a rough trailer together and then finished the film in three months. Nobody who was doing this on purpose, who loved Dragonlance, would have made that product. Now you say that I do. However, upon researching both the. Um, the credits of this film mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and further reading, uh, Margaret Reese and Tracy Hickman were on as creative consultants and were so, I guess at least, at least in some way at a certain point in time, probably at voice recording, maybe pre whatever, were so into this that they both recorded cameo voice roles at the end. So the actual creators of the film were like in, in at least some way, like endorsing it. So good. I think they were each paid $10,000 and they uh, were obligated as part of the contract to do a little <laughs> bit of publicity, which included a five minute recording session. To get Maybe, but, device. but, but still, but like, I, 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 I think that it's, it's also possible that especially even with the voice talent, that there was a version of this movie that people were excited about. And then it like, it tanked in post kind of thing. You know I what mean, I mean? Like, that's very possible, but if you go back and you read this book, it's not it's not an unfair translation of what well, yeah, well, even um, was. This it was like all that hokey shit, it's like a big rip off of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it was their home D&D game in the 80s that was that they played and then they just wrote yeah. it up into books. Well, they also they, they said it, the, even even Mr. Uh, Hickman mm-hmm. says that he was like he had been pushing uh, in development for it to at least be the the first book to at least be two films where mm-hmm. when Solus is on fire was in his mind where the first film would end. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a busy movie. It's a lot oh, of dude. stuff just happens. Woo, let's go there. We're going to get the discs of Meshackle. Now, let's now go I'm going this way. Books. Now I'm going that way. Yeah. Uh, so here's the, like, you want to be on board with this thing. And, and it's not, it, and like it's, it sabotages itself at every move. All of the characters are are like the worst versions of themselves from the the book. Just like on and on and on. Flint is just constantly racist and just sneezes <laughs> really loud all the time about horses, and like that's his whole character. Sneezes yeah, he, at horses. He doesn't want to go swimming. Doesn't want to go swimming. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was like, I was into it for the first five seconds, and I was like, there's a dragon, and it's on fire, and there's epic music blasting, and I was like, woo, dragons! And then, like, within five minutes, I had zoned out. Just, like, again, and, like, repeatedly. Like, I was like, I can't pay attention to it. Did you get on board with the mega faith elements of the storyline? The mega faith elements? Well, I, I kind of, um, not really knowing the setting of Dragonlands too, too much, other than you guys kind of explained it to me last episode. Uh, I, I drew a lot on your Redwall game to know how, like, magic works. 
and how you need to like like that the gods had like a like, thanks to the like lot of exposition that they throw in the first five minutes that the gods had like abandoned the world and then if you believe hard enough in the gods you know they'll give you magic powers <laughs> no that's the thing in Dragonlance, unique among the the settings there were no actual clerics after the gods took off all the faith in the world did nothing and so most of the races had turned away from the gods and that was right. the whole story they talk about that in the show yeah, but then that's the whole thing of the movie is that like somebody has rediscovered what it takes to get the gods to come. Well, yeah, because they were like the gods didn't turn the back on us; we turned the backs on them. We didn't believe in them enough, kind of like fairy logic. Gosh darn it! Just clap your hands. Yep. Uh, Michelle Trachtenberg's character is just constantly smiling. Is that Tika or is that? Yes, Tika. Tika. Also, the the amount of like gratuitous boob shots, like yeah, a so lot of that. weird. Like, you, you zoom in on, like, Tika's boobs, you zoom in on the, I guess, Black Dragon's boobs, mm-hmm. like, all the time. Like, there's, when she gets introduced, it's a frame full of her boobs, and then it pans up to her face, and I'm like... You, do you know, you know Slash R slash Dragon's fucking cars? It's like an untapped nope. market. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I've got the DVD here. You may, well done, you may sir. have noticed. And um, I so I feel like I had, should have had a good visual fidelity for the product that they had intended to create. Yeah. And what I noticed was very frequently things were out of focus on the screen. Like they would have yeah. like a graphical element that would flutter on by, but like the the image would be in like three or four out of focus elements, and I can't imagine that was on purpose. Hmm. Like I, I I I also had a question about a D and D attack. John, okay. that I saw yes. in this movie. Yes. Uh, a goblin spits jizz on a guy's face. I wrote that down in my notes. That's, <laughs> that's very mucusy uh, <laughs> spittle. <laughs> and like you just, you just straight up, and it's like one of the main characters. See, like they're like they're grappling, and then yeah. just, So there, there was so much, there was a, a bunch of things in this movie that I what was like where they're like explaining game mechanics where they're like, just cast another spell. And he's like, I can't without a long rest yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. Like a, a wizard only gets so many spell slots a day basically is like actual slots. He, he said, I can only cast it so many times per day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't go into game terms, but they did certainly explain mechanics that had no business being explained in a movie. Yeah, exactly. For, for like no reason whatsoever. Yeah, um, Caramon and, was such a tool bag. Oh my god, who, all, he was like the Caramon? main warrior type character. Oh, like the knight or the no, no, no. the knight barb. is Sturm, and then the like barbarian type guy is uh, Caramon. Okay, so you know the names. I've watched the movie. I do. And I, could, I, read I don't the books, know any man. of the names. So there's three books that are the main trilogy. Then there's uh, the twins trilogy, which is about Raistlin and Caramon, and I think they go back in time along that one. Okay. Then there's another trilogy that is like a follow-up of the, the, the main story arc. And then there's another one uh, trilogy, I think entirely about Raistlin. Like, it goes on and on and on. There's something, there's something like 14 or 15 books in that. And then there's the, the Death Cycle books, which are like adjacent, right? So like, like they're, they're not actually, technically Dragonlance, no. but... They're also not technically Dungeons and Dragons. It was it was yeah. the first project that they did at first. I don't know, but the, it was like a big project they did that was not D and D associated. Fizzband shows up in it, except he's named Ziffnab. Yeah. Hey. Um, hey. But, but I remember Deathgate Cycle being much more mature in terms of fantasy and actually being kind of a fun, weird sci-fi fantasy mashup that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the animation style is so weird. 
the like, mixing of CG and, and the mi- mixing of CG and normal, and also just like the like lingering on characters' faces yeah. when they clearly aren't like spending budget to like animate them. So for most often, the characters just look like they're smiling, like and, at all, and, but at, perfectly still. Yeah, there's like still like shots of smiling and like zooming in, like such bad. Uh. <laughs> also, I, I took this a note. So I guess Kiefer Sutherland's wizard and that barbarian guy are brothers or whatever. Yes, Raceland and Caramon. Yes. So Caramon says, good job, brother. And then Raceland dabs. <laughs> like, it's his wizard pose. It seems like staff out in one hand and then, like, folds his arm and kind of looks down and is like, the power of magic. And I was like, what the? Did you pay attention to the dialogue when Tannis breaks up with his elf ex-girlfriend? Oh, yeah. Was that? I wrote that. <laughs> I, I... I kind of remember him being like a cringy, angsty teenager in the books as well. Also, I can't also, imagine it was this bad. He then references a character that you haven't seen or had anyone else talk about. He's like, I'm in love with another human woman. Kitty Yara. Yeah. And, you're, and I was like, is this a cast? Like, I don't know any of the names of anyone. I was like, is this Michelle Trachtenberg's character? I'm like, is this Lucy Lawless's character? Because I didn't know any of the names. No, no, no. They, no. You, they mention her in the story. She misses their meeting. She's the one who doesn't come to the meeting when they all get together at the at the house. And then uh, Flint is like, oh, the circle is broken. And um, obviously she's the one they cut to all the way at the end of the movie because she's working for the, the bad Yeah, guys. she's secretly a dragon warrior really? or yeah. whatever else like that. Uh, yeah, he's like, I've fallen for a human woman. See you later. Just leaves. And she's like, I love you. And he's like, take your ring back, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, what did this, like, I was like, A, it's so weird that this scene is here because this is like, it's not a character. Like the, the elf woman is not a character in the film up until this point. So there is like, it's completely extra to just make this dude look like a jerk. Like, well, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. He spent the whole, the whole start of the movie. He was saying he avoided going back to elven lands because he like got kicked out and he didn't want to deal with those people. And then it's like the story that forces him to go there. And he's like complaining about it the whole way. Because he didn't want to deal with his ex-girlfriend and had all of this mess. You muted, buddy. Man, no one wanted to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, least of all Kitiara, who decided to join the, the bad guys. I kind of... I'm almost regretful they didn't continue making these things because we're missing out on the disaster of continuing. Oh, I don't know that I could have taken much more. I couldn't have taken this. No. So what happened? You guys just gave up and never went back to it? Uh, we watched 22 minutes of it and then switched over to uh, watch some Supernatural instead. Uh-huh. That was that, that was mo- much better. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit like Buffy. Like once you start rolling into it, you're ready to forgive a lot of it for the sake sure, of the, sure, sure. the characters being fun. And uh, that's cool. But unlike Buffy, they're so ready to tear down any of the world building that they're doing. In a good they're way? Like, in a very strange way. They're like, we're monster hunters. And then, look, we've come across this bar where all the monster hunters hang out. And we can go there and get information and, you know, call for help if we need to. Or, you know, have a guy that's a research specialist do some of the, the boring work. Right. Um, and then... Like three episodes later, they burn it to the ground and kill everyone. And I was like, "That what? Mm. That's weird." It'd be like in the fourth episode of Buffy if they burn the school down. I'm just right. like, what happened there? 
Yeah. They introduce characters and then they kill them off and it's like, oh, okay, it's cool. I'll readily admit I never gave the show a fair shake. Like I watched maybe four or five episodes, I don't know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, something like first when it came out. And I kind of remember not really liking any of the characters. Like they, they were all kind of like edgy in a way that I didn't find cool. And I, and I kind of gave up on it, but I got so many people have recommended it to me in the years since then. I feel like they got it together. Season Uh, two or season three. How far are you? Season four. Four. We're we're almost done. Season four. It's weird. It's good. Mm -hmm. So I think, I don't want to necessarily spend too much time back on Autumn Twilight. Um, yeah, we could just jam it down. Well, well, exactly. That's it. Well, I think we need to rank it, and we yep. need to mention I there was one last thing. Uh, we didn't talk enough about how weird the CG is, just yeah. thrown, thrown on top of the crappy, crappy animation. There's no like, way that that CG had any business being in that movie in 2008. So um, I looked this up. The, the, I'll, I'll tell you, it, the reason is they find the lowest... The, who will do dragon animations for the cheapest amount of money? It's Person X, and then they can hand it to a different studio, and the two studios don't have to agree with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they so, um, films that came out, animated films uh, that came out in 2008 include, I think... I looked this up and now I can't find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Wally and Kung Fu Panda. Like, so if you're wondering, like, how how was CG back then? Like, real good. <laughs> like, real good CG was possible back then. And then also, uh, so I was like looking at like reviews and like uh, uh, five star reviews on Amazon or whatever, and someone was just sort of like. Uh, the big name actors attached to the uh, production are high points of the animated film. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it will simply feel too much like Saturday morning cartoons of its time. And I was like, That's Saturday, morning generous. Saturday morning cartoons of its time is not actually generous. It's insulting to Saturday morning cartoons at the time. Like Bratma- Batman Brave and the Bold was a 2008 animated cartoon and it's dope mm-hmm. <laughs> and the animation is very good i was like if you mean animation of its time like Dragonlance 1984 maybe like it looks a lot and it's almost it almost looks enough like it to you could that like again in the in the i'm sure like train wreck of this movie a bunch of bad ideas like the animation looks like so bad and it's so like decidedly bad it almost looks like an homage to the og show yes like 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 it's very much in the same same style as the dungeons and dragons cartoon of the actual 80s not of any animation that was going on in 2008 with worse character design that show has fantastic character design the goblins in particular look really weird and 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 just you know their faces are all crumpled up but in ways that don't look plausible (laughs) i don't know and then there's also a weird rapey, rapey scene with the draconian. Yeah, yep, there is. And then the other thing that I just wanted to to drop in was, uh, and just maybe John, you can provide some light on this. So a blind red dragon, like a senile red dragon, they're just like, "It's your kids," and she's like, "Sure is." And then she fights another red dragon. Is that like straight up book? You know, I don't recall exactly, but I do believe that they tricked one red dragon into into fighting another as a distraction while they were going off to do something else. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was like, I was like that's the plan. They're like, oh, she thinks this. She's like, be careful with my children. They don't have wings yet. And they're like, and they're like, oh, this dragon just thinks she's these, fucking crazy. Yeah, these human children are her children. Like, yeah, so she believes. 
It's kind of a like, shame because if that if that plotline had been handled well, that could have been a pretty cool bamboo. Yeah, you know, they it's don't like fight the dragon, they trick it into duking it out with another one. It was almost like touching in a weird way. You're like, yeah. um, but but then also like you know another weird way, just manipulating a sad senile old lady, yeah. like <laughs> who happened to be a red dragon. Don't get me wrong, but they were still the heroes were manipulating a sad senile old lady <laughs> to do their bidding, and then maybe dies. Because you don't get to see that dragon afterwards. <laughs> um, and, and anyway, and then they, uh, it turns out that the crazy old Gandalf guy is a paladin or a dragon lancer, right? I think. No, was, so he's Paladine. Paladine. The god of goodness incarnate mm-hmm. come to earth. Mm-hmm. And so occasionally the film cuts over to Tachesis, the five headed dragon, the like female Tiamat. Yep. And um, uh, so Paladine is her opposite. And, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there it is. <laughs> and, yeah, but so, so, and he's, so he's just being like, he forgets the word. I was like, I love he forgets his spell, like his spells. But like, he's like, what's the word? Fire? Fire something? Fireball? Like, fireball? Fireball guy? And he's like, that's the one. Then he just says fireball and shoots a fireball. I was like, hey, do we, does he need to remember the word for fireball? And also this isn't like to say it. And then he's just, the word is what it is. It's not like, you know, like a weird, like if you had to say like tensors floating disc or whatever. So he, this is, this is, they even say it in the movie because Goldmoon can cast her spells without using wizard words, right? Yeah. And then uh, Tasselhoff points out at Raceland and says, hey, how come you can't use your magic? You're, you're terrible at magic. You have to say those special words and she can just call it into being. And he says, no, it's only divine magic that does it. So you should realize from that that when Fizban is casting spells, he's not actually doing wizard magic. He's doing divine magic. But then why does he need to say the name to make them go? It's part of it's part of his gimmick. I don't remember if it's if he has his memory taken away from him during the cataclysm or if it's like part of the deal that the gods made that they're not going to go back and mess with things unless people are doing fulfilling certain criteria. So like his way of getting around it is by just showing up and not knowing anything. And um, I, I don't don't remember it a hundred percent but there's like nine more books you know so the... yeah and then they and they, and they fully fully ended on a cliffhanger revealing that oh Kitty for sure Aris, for sure uh, and it's great it, it goes on you know they meet and they uh... and and so yeah i guess that's it are the books this is a bad film but i don't i don't have the like that's why i was wondering about the ranking because like i'll knock it low like i'm not going to be defending this piece of trash but i feel that i would like i would knock it even lower if it was like simultaneously shitting on something from my childhood. Well, so twice since I have grown up, I have gone back to try and reread them and see if I could find any of the magic. And tragically, I do not think it exists. I I think if they're young adult books. They don't, they don't hold up. Hmm. That's how it is. And I mean, and that's, and I think that that's, um, I guess telling <laughs> in a way, because like I've gone like, the one that stands out for me is Bruno and Boots. Like a lot of the the Gordon Corman, like Gordon Corman YA stuff, I can go back and I'm like, absolutely, it's it's young adult stuff. But I'm yeah. like, but they they go back and they're still like charming and fun, you know. So I was yeah, like, just you're not by, cringing by, at every other scene. Yeah, like by virtue of it being written for like ages like ten to fourteen or whatever the heck it is, doesn't necessarily have to make it bad. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I think there's young adult stuff that can hold up. And so this was not it. Not and it. I want to go home is still a funny book. Yeah, they're all that's also a, and I want to go home was like funny. my favorite one of all of the Gordon Corman books. That yep. that was a funny goddamn book. I want to go home is really funny because the letters, the letters kill me all yeah, every time. So good. 
I also I like what was the box that earned Boite de Terre? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. My counselor is a psychotic murderer who carries an axe around. His name is Chip. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> I think, yeah, No Coins, Please, I liked a lot. Yeah, that was great, too. you got to, like, love the hustle in No Coins, Please. <laughs> like, yep. Uh, and, and, yeah, all, the Brilliant all, Boots one are just all A+. Like, have you watched any of the movies yet? I still haven't watched them. No. No. I, 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 track, I think I watched the first five minutes of one and then was like, I'll, I have to watch this with Scott. Yeah, like, there's three of them on Netflix right now. Yeah, it's, they Bruno seem, and Boots. Yep. Yeah. No shit. Are they any good? But, but they're I very. Haven't, they, haven't watched them yet. Yeah, they seem look like very YTVified though, yeah. like which is so weird, and and also the fact that and they also I don't know I I feel we've mentioned this even on the podcast before. They've gone in and like updated the books ish. Yeah, it's really hard to find original script, like. like original writing of the book. Yeah, like 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 they're not like working on like punch card computers oh, yeah. for yeah, the war of the original and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. So I was like, I really I miss like I had the the OG box set with the original four I like owned. Right. So it was like uh can't be happening in McDonald's Hall, go jump in the pool, beware the fish and war with Mr. Wizzle. That was like I think the first four. And yeah. we had the box set with the like eighties covers and whatever else. And I was like, I'm so sad I don't have those because those were they're they're not updated, <laughs> you know. Like they're just yeah. the, the, they exist in the '80s as they should have. <laughs> uh, right? I like, a... Obviously, I get why Scholastic or whatever is like. I can imagine, just imagine reading War with Mr. Wizzle right now. Look and, it... and trying to imagine it as a contemporary piece. You're like, why are the Dude, computers so get stupid? Get the up? fuck out of here! If it gets another group of six year olds reading books, it's great. Oh, I said I said I don't blame Scholastic at all. Yeah. I, I don't blame them for making that update because I said, imagine if you're a kid reading it right now, you'd be like, "What is this? He's supposed to be totally. a computer genius, and you're putting in punch cards." And the the magic of it game. wasn't the setting. The magic of it was the kids getting away with shit. Exactly, that's it. Yeah. But like on the flip side, they, you know, that's what they should do. I'm giving it to you, Scholastic. They should put like, uh, like, uh, like a oh my god, okay, here it is. It's coming together. Like a McDonald Hall graduate edition or whatever. Which is like the OG scripts, and they're in like nice, like leather-bound books. So like, <laughs> so you feel, like, <laughs> you know, like like as a, a graduation gift from McDonald Hall, like because you, obviously you're an older or alumni, McDonald Hall alumni edition. That's the word. Mm-hmm. That's it. McDonald Hall alumni edition of the OG scripts. Tweeted at Gordon Corman. Yeah, be like, give it to me, Gord. <laughs> um, we got to put this on the list. Yep, yeah. it is below Crush Groove. Because yeah. it didn't even have the fat boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's way below a lot of this crap. Um, in the crap. In the, yeah, this is very okay, low. Look, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was borderline actively offensive, but it wasn't. Yeah, but that's what I'm know. saying. But like, but like, but it, it still has to go below like stuff like. Dark Phoenix and like X Men Apocalypse because at least those had special effects scenes that worked, which this did not. Did they though? I mean, they sort of did. This one yeah. did not on a level. That yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying. Good. So it was like I'm, I'm, I'm. Here's my my current thing is it was dull, it was boring, and like what could have ugly and like what could have been saved would have been cool animation, you know, like at the very least. And it, it delivered on none of those things. And even the voice cast, the voice cast is completely underutilized. And I don't think any of the voice actors were ever even in the same room. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like people are just yeah. kind of saying lines and they're sort of cut together. That's why I'm like, <laughs> um, 
I'm feeling actually somewhere below the room. Below the room? I, I had it. Tiptoes. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I just remember Gotham by Gaslight was real bad. Yeah, but and, it looked better. Yeah. Made more sense. <laughs> Further down, the next animated one we've got is Killing Joke. That was offensive. It was. I would still. I I could still see putting this below it. Every every minute of Dragonlance, Dragons of Autumn Twilight was miserable. Whereas Batman had a few moments that were in fact about Batman and and not about radio yeah. stuff. I think maybe above above tiptoes. All right. Yeah. Might be right. Yeah. Below Gem and the Holograms, because again, I feel that Gem and the Holograms probably at least succeeded at having bad pop music. I'm I'm re- I'm kind of regretting giving giving it below the room now. When I think about going back and rewatching a movie, the room is pretty painful. Like, yeah, but at least seriously? it's funny. It has its laughs. Oh, hi, doggy. Like, there's not even anything to like grab onto for laughs. Like, I, I was waiting for just like bad lines and stuff, and like outside of Raceland dabbing. There was nothing even like funny, which I the now want. Dialogue wizards. was so atrocious. Every yes. character was unlikable in their own special way. It's just completely dry mm-hmm. and crap. It was it was like eating wax fruit, just like <laughs> oh, is this an apple? Biting into it and being like oh, it's not <laughs> an apple. It's just wax. Ugh. Yeah, it, it really, it really, really, really. It was, and I was like, and I think it would have been like not necessarily saved. But if the animation was good, it would have been at least watchable. Because I was like, I was like, there's nothing like fundamentally wrong with this. It's just a quest movie where they go from place to place, orcs attack, and they got to stop the dragon and go get the. Uh, Who's a watcher? Thing. Yeah. Oh my god, that's the one thing I also wanted to ask. So <laughs> when Kiefer Sutherland is just like, I just put a friendship spell on this gully dwarf and mm-hmm. Bapu, and then he's like, goodbye, Bapu, my only friend. And I was like, you made her your friend. Like, don't get remorseful about, like, sending her away. You uh-huh. made, you cast a magic spell on her. She does not actually like you. And he kind of gets, like, choked up that he sends the gully dwarf away. Uh-huh. And he's like, you've done well this day, Bapu. And then, like, she, like, wanders off into the mines or whatever. And I was like, why do you feel remorse about this, Kiefer Sutherland? It's like you literally bend her will to your magical prowess. Oh man, Keeper Sutherland. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's the correct spot. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. What else do you fellows want to talk about? We ate up a lot of time with that. I think yeah. as we should have. I'm not sure was... that I have so much to say about it all, but I have been uh, grinding the shit out of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Wait, did you finish Fast and the Furious? Then no, I did not. I oh, have not picked it back up since five. I'm like halfway through it. Mm-hmm. I think I got a little overwhelmed by cars. We'll, we'll be yeah. back. We're gonna. Finish. Oh, that's, a, that's a shame, John. Six, six, and seven are are bonkers. Yeah, fun. yeah. That's it. Like, like I said, I was like, I remember like four. Four is the low point, though. I think. Okay. Right, I mean, like even if four is the one that you uh, saw. Or? I actually skipped over Tokyo Drift, so maybe, oh, okay. maybe that one is there waiting for me also. Okay, so, but yeah, like I said, I, I remember, like I remember four and five being low points, and then like to Scott's point, six, like kicking it. Six is when it like it it assumed yeah. it's like its final form. Uh-huh. Of just like these are all all of these characters are superheroes and their superpower is they could do anything as long as they're in a car, right? Like, and that's 
that's their powers. But otherwise, they're essentially the Avengers. And you have to watch Tokyo Drift before you watch Seven. Yeah. Or Six. You have to watch Tokyo Drift before you watch Six. Yeah. Well, he he has a he has a viewing list. I do. Um, but if you skip over Tokyo Drift, you run the chance of really missing out on the weird timeline shifting thing. Yeah, is Han Han is important in Tokyo Drift, right? And Han yeah, gets he's, him. he's introduced in Tokyo Drift. Yeah, and Han. There are theories about Han, man. There are yeah, internet theories about Han, especially mean? after Hobbs and Shaw. There's. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers, John, but there's, no there's a deep mythos of Han. Han is like there are I'd say probably like more internet fan theories about that character like in a movie franchise than like certain like developments in the MCU. Like the relationship to Han in the Fast and the Furious verse is like there's tons of fan theories about like that character. Huh. Very you know, weird. Do you know what his last name is? In the show, in in the movies, huh? I mean, in the movie, is it Solo? It's Seoul, like Korea. Seoul, yeah. yeah. Dash O H. <laughs> Solo. That's <laughs> ridiculous. He's taken both of his parents' last names, and they happen to be Seoul and O. Wow. I mean, of course. I mean, if you of wouldn't course. you? <laughs> I mean, and you're and it's the parents named him Han. Like that's on purpose. Oh yeah. Uh, how's TNG? Like you're not the only person I know who's been uh, plowing through it. So, like, you know, obviously it's a little dated, but there's something kind of charming to the earnestness of it all, you know? It's, like, pretty rare you see TV where it's, like, a whole lot of conversation, and there's, like, a problem that is, like, a moral problem, and then they find an interesting way to solve it, and then they solve it. And and hopeful. And, yeah, it's, like, like positive about where humanity is going. The answer, like, the humans in the show are not racist. They're not fighting each other. They're, like, we're done with all that. We're we're okay now, you know? I read a thing talking about uh, the, like, the blessing and the curse of the Sopranos. Okay. And it was, like, the Sopranos made it okay to have a protagonist be an absolute shitty monster Mm -hmm. and still paint him sympathetically. Like as the patriarch of like like they're like Tony Soprano and like the like what it did to television, <laughs> which is yeah. like I think gave us great dramas like I think like your 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 Breaking Bad's and your like Successions and a lot even Game of Thrones probably doesn't even get there when we're like we can understand that our protagonists are sometimes monsters I think a lot of that in prestige television came out of that and then even like Star Trek kind of did that stupidity when they tried to make like gritty badass Star Trek which everybody hated right yeah. like yeah. and. Yeah, like the 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 author kind of theorized that The Sopranos was the turning point of television, where we like started to just get where there were like all of a sudden the main character had to be like a complex antihero kind of mm-hmm. thing. And like and Star Trek exists before that, where you're like the heroes are just real heroes and they're good. Like think about like I feel that if Star Trek launched now, people would be like boring milk toast characters. Like they kind of might be. All and of them are Boy Scouts, and everybody does the right thing all the not time. Totally wrong. I mean, they yeah, but there's hopefulness there. I think, there is. <laughs> like, the fact that everybody gets their shit together and nobody's like undermining the captain or trying to like, or if they are, it's because they have like you said, like a moral disagreement or whatever. Mm-hmm. That they're like the captain's wrong about this and this is the right thing to do. Like, not for personal gain, but they think it's the right thing to do. You know, the, the only person who gets undermined is Worf. 
Oh, have you, you seen that super seen cut? The super cut? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Captain, so there's a I'd super... suggest something. Not now, Mr. Ward. <laughs> he doesn't even get the suggestion out. <laughs> I remember I super kind of late, late in the sci-fi era, at some point, people were talking about Star Trek, and I, I, I like... I kind of laughed at them. I hadn't I hadn't watched Star Trek at all. I kind of considered myself more of a Star Wars fan, but mm-hmm. years and years now, looking back on it all, I remember uh, like my family watched Star Trek TNG every single week together, and yeah, I would say I'm a pretty big fan of the show, and and it has held up a million times better than uh, Star Wars. Oh, from the '90s, yeah, yeah. '90s <laughs> Star Trek versus '90s Star Wars is not even a comparison. Like I think seventy Star Trek versus like seventy Star Wars. That's where the argument can exist that Star but, Wars. But is like greater. they can you're, exist you're... independently because they're so far removed from what each other yeah. is trying to do. Like Star Trek is so much about ideas and and sci-fi, and Star Wars is about adventure and laser swords. Yeah, absolutely. And they can be great in their own way. In the nineties, they are not. Yeah, and that was the other thing too. When, you, when we just like, talked about like, the hopeful, uh, the hopefulness mm-hmm. of Star Trek, and apparently one of the only reasons that they actually ended up making the the weird gritty reboot from a couple of years ago, like the, uh, was it Enterprise, the one with Bacula? And then they made another one, right? I think after there's, that. There's Discovery. actually been three. There's Discovery, and then there's another one that just came out um, that yeah. has been ripped apart pretty bad. Yeah. Picard. But either oh, way, though. Picard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's Picard. But either way, um, apparently, like, up until his death, like, it was a hard and fast rule. Like, Roddenberry was like, no these characters like humanity has attained an enlightened position. These characters are not going to be jerks to each other. They're not going to be assholes. You can have other species that do it and whatever you could have other non-Federation, but you're like the Federation, like United Federation of planets is an actual like utopian ascension of humanity. And he was like hard and fast about that. He's like, these characters work for the greater good exclusively and that was like a writing guideline that with Roddenberry being alive they weren't allowed to really depart from like which is one of the reasons why they I think they like they skirted that in um in Deep Space Nine because they had the like the Federation and Bajoran alliance so they could have like a Bajoran military that wasn't quite you know playing by the rules of the Federation because they weren't the Federation. So like they, they kind of like skirted around some of that, but he was just like adamant. Like he'd be like, you know, humanity actually solves their shit. And this is my future, (laughs) which I mean, is so like, it's so like charming in a way, like, and especially I guess like, and gets like more charming as I suppose, you know, the current sociopolitical climate just continues spiraling out of control. That at some point, you know, like, the planet gets its shit together and there's like a united government that actually serves a greater good. You're like, it seemed like far future in the nineties. And now you're like, no, that's insane. (laughs) Gene Roddenberry, you dreamer. Have you guys watched Picard? No, I have not. No. Say something about it. Uh, Spies in the United Federation of planets determined to tear down the, the ideology that Roddenberry had built. Yeah. Like, you know, that wouldn't happen on Roddenberry's watch, baby. But it is a nostalgic-filled romp. Uh, it's pretty close. Of- it's probably it's probably close to Force Awakens in that feel. You're like, oh, you're you're taking us through the greatest hits again. That's interesting. The uh, Red Letter Media boys uh, ripped that Picard thing to pieces in 
So many some ways. People, some people loved it and some people hated it. Like yeah. from what I, and I, there almost seems to be no middle ground. <laughs> like on the middle ground, it was fine. It was fine. Uh, but I'm also but the you one just who said liked, it also it also touched you in your happy nostalgia place. Yeah, but I'm also the only one who mostly liked Force Awakens. So mm. I like Force Awakens. Take that for what it is. And we had I had a Force Awakens conversation like three or four days ago. Like I it's was fine. like I was like it represented the possibility of goodness. <laughs> and Picard is very similar, like in a comparable way. You're out of your minds. Looking back on it now, we realize that it was the first step on a long road of mediocrity and cowardice. They had no idea what they were doing. They never had a plan. They fucked it up because they didn't have a plan. Well, I can only, I can only talk about Picard's first season. We were trying to be generous to them when we said that there was possibility. You think Star Wars needed a reboot? Jesus Christ, they could have, they could have done... A, a real Star Wars movie. There could have been a real trilogy if there had been real. But I even think that at the helm. Force, but Force Awakens, I think, even set up a template that the two films that followed did not follow. It was so. It was and I'll, I'll explain. I'll exp- I, um, It was. It was obviously like it was. It was New Hope with new people and all that stuff. But I was like, but even the representation of both Han Solo and Princess Leia in that movie, they are not the stars of that movie. There it only exists to further the the cast, and that goes out the window even in Last Jedi, right? Where like Carrie Fisher is the freaking star of the show in that film, and Mark Hamill is the star of the show. Like they 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 the one good thing that Force Awakens did was that they had the OG cast, but only like in, in wrestling terminology, like kind of there to put over the new guys. You know, like Han Solo's storyline exists to further Rays and further Kylos. Like Princess Leia is around as almost like window dressing that she's the new Mon Mothma. I understand is- what the whole thing is, and what I'm saying is that at its core, rebooting it is 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 like storytelling cowardice. It was boring and stupid. Uh, I, I guess it could have uh, been good. I think like that it could have that movie could have been the beginning of a good trilogy. It, was, it, it did it not. Could have been. I will admit that it could but have exactly. Been. It was like it, it, there was nothing egregiously wrong with that one film. Subsequently, can, turned to shit. I can take those movies on their own as movies as much as I can the original trilogy. So that's fine. Like you can say you like Empire the best of the original trilogy just as much as I can say I like Force Awakens as the the best of those last three. Hmm. I don't I don't smash them together as as hard. Hmm. Also I was someone was talking about the um <clears throat> And this, I know, goes back on kind of what what I was just saying. But someone was talking about if you do watch them as a series, how brutal Force Awakens is, right? Because you're like, the characters don't, you don't get to enjoy their victory in Jedi. So you watch Return of the Jedi and you're like, you see a happy ending and you see Luke Skywalker and they're all partying and they did it and they stopped the Death Star and Han and Leia are in love. And you're like, what a good time. You're like, next movie. So you're like, play the next one. You're like, 20 years later, Luke screwed up the Jedi Academy. One of his kids murdered a bunch of the other kids. He's now in exile. Han and Leia divorced and estranged. You know, like, and whatever else. I'm like, yeah. they don't even, like, there's no, they don't get to enjoy themselves. Like, they they did to us as viewers because they've been fine in our heads for the last 40 years. <laughs> you know, like, they've had their, they've had, like, I didn't, I, as a viewer, I didn't mind having the rug ripped out from the happily ever after that, like I had in my childhood, because I think it's kind of fun storytelling, 
But if you were to just watch them in series right now, you're like, those poor characters. Like, what did they do anything for? There was no victory in Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it's they didn't even beat the Empire. Like, they the Empire now has like a thing that can blow up an entire star system. Next film, like you, you know, like it's it's mean. <laughs> like those characters, all of Return of the Jedi is undermined in like the first like ten minutes of Force Awakens. Yeah, it's miserable storytelling. Those characters did not get to enjoy their victory whatsoever, or if they did, we didn't see it. You know, like. Yep. God, mm. did you guys watch Mandalorian yet? Yeah. Uh, no, one episode. Uh, it's still the best. Still the best. I enjoyed it up to the last five minutes. What happens in the last five minutes? I mean, it's not even that there's a and so it's. Uh, Mandalorian's strength is the fact that it is a Star Wars film that has nothing to do with the Force. And then right. in the last five minutes, there's like a dark saber or something, which is like a piece of Star Wars lore that a bunch of fan nerds nerded out about. And like, what's I'm the details? Like, what does it mean? I don't know. It's a creepy black lightsaber. Like, I, I didn't really look up. Was the it fan from things. the books, or was it? I think so. I I, I was just looking at I didn't bother looking it up, but I was like, it was just a bummer to see a bad guy like reach in and pull out kind of a lightsaber. And I was like, yeah. no. I was like, this works because there is no lightsabers. <laughs> And I was like, it was just such a such a moment where I was like, this doesn't. And I mean, maybe they're they're gonna. And to be fair, the show does not portray the person that is holding it as a force manipulator. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, and I think that that's that's fair that you or I could still probably cut some people up with a lightsaber without using There's the force. Of, uh, it's a laser sword. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. And I'm like, I feel that a person with a laser sword can still be pretty intimidating, whether or not they're a. a jedi or whatever but it was just like it was just like it's like the closing shot of the show and i was like come on i was like you were doing so good making a star wars verse thing without hitting all the star wars points you know and then here's a lightsaber but it's also a dark saber so there was like someone (laughs) it reminded me of when uh like when nerds got real excited about the hulkbuster suit in the mcu it, like the online reaction to the dark saber or whatever was like that. They were like, OMG, like whatever. And I was like, the show has not set this up. You're getting excited about this, like for be- reasons like you've outside. Been paid to be. Well, like you've been paid to be, but also like, cause you're just like looking for nerd points. You know what I mean? Like where the show did not actually set this item up as a plot device. The only reason you're excited about this is because it like fits your, your fandom and you're like, I read all the books. So I appreciate this more, you know, like I'm like, you're not actually rewarding the storytelling of the show. If the, if they had talked about this artifact or whatever and showed it up, I'd be like, Oh shit. It's the thing that they set up. But instead yeah. they're just revealing things being like, wink. Or if you're a big enough nerd, you'll get this. Yeah. Anyway. Ah, I liked it. I it, was liked directed, it. it was directed like as a team. So they, they had a group of directors that all worked together as a team, including mm-hmm. Taika Waititi. Yeah, and he does voice work too. And he does voice work. He does the uh, he voices the IG uh, the IG unit. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah, cool. Um, all underneath John Favreau, who is the the head writer yeah. for it. Uh, so like they had this group of people that were were working on it, and it kind of makes it this nice tight eight episodes. And it feels yeah. like Star Wars. It's great. It bogs in the middle a little bit. You think? I I really really like the the rice farming episode. Yes, which I think a lot of people said was 
weird and out of place, but I love no, that I episode. That fine. But yeah, no, but there was a certain point where you're like, okay, we get it. Because uh, it's, it's a bunch of bounty hunters. Like the, the, the ultimate, the plot of the film is that um, basically Baby Yoda's worth a bunch of money. And then the Mandalorian, because he has like a his own code of virtue, is like, I'm not going to cash in the bounty on this cute little force-wielding baby thing because it's going to go to the Empire and whatever else. And then they put a massive bounty out on Baby Yoda. So it's him sort of like kind of going week to week, kind of like ducking other bounty hunters and, and just sort of going. And like I said, it's just like that plot to me overstated its welcome by like an episode or two. A lot like American <clears throat> Horror Story season one, where you're like, I get it, but eventually this needs to come to a head. Right, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it wasn't that necessarily there's individual episodes that I would think is bad, but you're just like each episode is like we think we're safe. Well, we're not safe, and then they kind of go on their little thing. And right, it, it's it's fine, and there's like I said, I don't think there's any like one episode, even like the rice farming thing. I didn't mind that episode. There's no one episode that I thought was a bad episode. It's just that you're just like I got a little tedious to be like, okay, I want the. I want the Empire to show up now and make their play for the last stand because this is it's getting on there. So, but that's just me. Maybe I have. I don't know, man. Even well. even the sixth episode, which was the prison break, like that was a great episode. Which one was the prison break with Bill Burr and and yeah, uh, that actually, yeah. Brown. yeah, yeah. I mean, that was sixth episode. I said episode four and five. Yeah. Richard Iowati is the voice of one of the the droids. Like, come on, Bill, Bill Burr being like a scumbag bounty hunter is kind and of and Clancy thing. Brown. That's awesome. And, and Clancy Brown and Richard Iowati, like just and also know, Bill, yeah, scared. Bill Burr just being like straight up Bill Burr. What are you doing over here? What's happening? What's he? What's he freaking doing over here? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did not give him many notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they basically said be Bill Burr with a blaster, <laughs> like, which is just like delightful. <laughs> oh man! Uh, is there anything else that we want to wrap up, or are we going to are we going to head into into garbage time? We have about an hour of of podcast in the can. I know we once again didn't talk about hangover movies. I could tell you what is not a hangover movie: Dragonlance, yeah. Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Unless you have a really bad headache and you want to fall asleep, maybe. Yeah. Even then, <laughs> even then, there's better movies for that. Better uh, movies for sleep. I, time. I watched I watched the Meg. Last week, I don't know if you guys uh, have seen that. I watched yet. about half of it, and I was like, hey, uh, "Go away, Statham." <laughs> Chris and I loved it. We had yeah. such a good time watching it. The Meg, the the giant shark movie. The Meg. No idea. Is it coming up on Garbage Time? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, are we, are we, do you want to, is, is the Meg good enough for main main show content, or is this garbage? Time garbage. Content? No, no, no. I, I don't want to rank it until one of you guys finish it. So, oh my god, I'll put it aside. Uh, uh, so yeah, I liked it. I thought it was great. I thought there was a weird kind of way that all the characters reacted that made sense in the world where they just released a giant megalodon. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of like, oh fuck, this is really <laughs> fucked up. Let's get out of here now, and not like, but for science, like they're not. They're always like, fuck, we fucked up, run away. Let's I mean, leave. it was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the um, the pterodactyl episode of Gravity Falls, and that made me think of, it's a pterodactyl, dude. Just, just, <laughs> one of the characters just threw out the entire thing saying pterodactyl just every time. That's great. Just cracked me up. Yeah. Oh, sorry, dude. Oh, Zeus. man. Yeah. Seuss. Um, yeah, I think the only thing I would 
put a pin in uh, for main show content because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago was I finished the sixth episode of Vetti. Vetti? Uh, the HBO girl skateboarding show based on okay. a film. So fun. So charming. Nothing like in terms of just like, it's like a feel good show written exactly for me and potentially, I guess, I don't know, other skateboarders. <laughs> like, just like a, a bunch of girls who are like, yeah, we like it. Like the, the, the show starts off with them trying to organize an all girl skate sesh that is then like, it is poorly attended. And then like the friendship circle kind of like expands. They go through some trials and tribulations. They're like, just sometimes they're friends. Sometimes they're, they're not friends. They're, they're all just kind of trying to navigate their way of being like teenagers in the summertime in New York uh, and just sort of going through like love and whatever else. And then the six episodes caps off with them kind of like being better at organizing a skate session. Then a bunch of girls show up uh, and they get to kind of feel good about themselves at the end. And I was like, this is just pure fluff that is well shot, like well acted, well performed, <laughs> believable characters, like not like, like teen drama, but without leaning on overly drama, like, like, yeah, like a character will screw up and the friends will get mad at her. And then like after an earnest apology, they're like, yeah, that was pretty shitty. And then like, it's not like, like screw ups are like plot points. Like it plays a lot more like real friendship, <laughs> you know, like, like if I make a huge screw up and like, I kind of like take, give you guys some space and then and come back and talk about it. Well, like, yeah, that's how then you get over it, you know, as opposed to like a normal, like teen drama TV show, it's like that's the now you're never friends and you betrayed me forever and like and whatever else like, yeah exactly that's it it was just it was just real positive with also kind of being like racially aware and stuff like there's like a certain point where one of the like one of the white characters ends up like trying to stand up for her black friend or whatever but then like kind of goes over over the top and ends up like throwing her skateboard through a, a glass window and then a, like she bolts and then like some of the other characters are standing there and they're like why aren't you running and they're like because it's New York City and we're black, like, we're just going to stay here because running is a bad idea, you know? <laughs> like, it can kind of get, like, pretty heavy, like, and they're just sort of, like, they just, like, stand there and put their hands up. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's probably a thing. <laughs> you know, like, everybody, like, all the white characters bolt and, like, multiple black characters just stay still and put their hands yeah. up. And you're like, yeah, that's, it. you know, like, with without, and, like, stuff like that can happen and then it doesn't necessarily even, like, dwell on it. It's just, like, part of the character's day was that it's not like a very special episode about race on Betty, you know, like you're just like, yep, race is a thing. It's 2020 and it's New York city, you know, like that's around, but yeah, it's really good. Also in the final episode, it's kind of hilarious. Cause there's one of the characters is like, uh, Kurt is like the biggest stoner of the crew. And she's like handing out flyers to try to get the, the all girl skate sesh. And like Tony Hawk is like, Oh, can I get one of those? And she's like, nah, dude, it's girls only. And then just, like, does not give him the flyer and just, like, moves on to the next one. And I was, like, the best. And Tony Hawk just, like, shrug. Which I thought was also, you know, just, like, fun skate nerd shit. I recommend it. Six episodes. Uh, very smart writing. Very smart performances. And, like, it's it's rare, I think, that there's, like, a feel-good show. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm trying to think of, like, other shows that just basically, like, are... Are fluff without being stupid. You know what I mean? Like, most of the time you're like, oh, it's a dumb fluff show. And it's like, you have to say it's dumb. But, like, this isn't dumb. It's like a smart fluff. Smart fluff is hard to, is like... Hard to, to, I think, land. Like, the only, like, I'm trying to think of, like, other other stuff that kind of, like, scratched that itch for me. 
I don't know. Not a lot. Not a lot. Anyway, watch Betty on HBO. It's great. See you at garbage time. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.